Hello, I'm Fred. I'm part of the teaching team here at CNC. If this is your first time here, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Hope you have a good time. Uh, we're a pretty fun group, so I think you should be fine. Uh, but yeah, today I am speaking about discovering God's character through scripture. I'm very excited about that. Um, and yeah, what else can I tell you? I am a registered nurse by day and a registered nurse by night because I do shift work, okay? I am um, just off of three nights, so if I uh, am a bit slow computing, that's why. Uh, but, you know, I'm f I feel great. I'm glad to be here. This is actually one of the most uh, exciting topics that I think I could teach on. I love God's Word. I love God's Word. It has changed my life. It uh, has impacted my family and my relationships and the way that I do my job. And just everything about my life, I think, has been changed because of God's Word. So I owe a lot to it. Uh, so anyways, today I'd just like to start uh, by discussing what we've been going over the last few weeks, which is um, we're in a series of how to relate to God. And today I'm going to be sharing with you my thoughts on how we can relate uh, to God through finding out about Him through the Scriptures, specifically His character. So... Uh, after that long sentence, I'm going to read you a part of Charles Spurgeon's sermon in 1855. I think it's still applicable today. Charles Spurgeon was a minister and an evangelist in, in Europe at, in 1855. So anyways, here's par uh, one paragraph of his sermon. It has been said by someone that the proper study of mankind is man. I will not oppose the idea, but I believe that it is equally true that the proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of a great God whom he calls his father. So I think it's very relevant today that we talk about God's character because uh, we are God's children, most of us anyways, and I'll get into that a bit more later, but uh, we need to know the God that we serve. It's as simple as that. So let's begin. Um, something about Charles Spurgeon, actually, he was only 20 when he spoke these words, which is pretty eloquent for a 20-year-old, but that's honestly right around most of our ages. So uh, that's, that's really insightful for a 20-year-old. And God has not changed, and so our knowledge of him uh, and the way that we receive his knowledge hasn't changed either. And so the depth of that understanding is today for us. We can know God. Today I want to talk about how are we to know God and how can we learn about his character. Uh, there's lots of different ways to know God, including uh, experiential learning. We can learn about him through his work in history and even through the creative expression of him through his creation. You know, when you sing a nice song or draw a nice work of art or do whatever, that is God's creativity coming out through you. And um, those are all very valid ways of knowing God. And so uh, when I talk about knowing God through his word, I say that uh, as a kind of a foundation of knowing God. You can know God and learn about God in a lot of different ways. And so the word of God is one of those ways, and in my opinion, probably the most important and foundational way that we have of knowing God today. His children ought to place special priority on seeing God's characteristics revealed through the holy, inspired, and unchanging work of the Bible. 
that's what I think this evening. Uh, the Bible uh, continues to be with us after many years, and there's, of course, a lot of debate about, you know, its validity and this and that. Uh, tonight, uh, we are going to go with the uh, knowledge that it is uh, proven and it is a book that we can rely on, and we can talk more about that later if you have an issue with that. I have two main points this evening. I'm going to highlight both of them for you so you're kind of prepared, as any good introduction should do. So my first one is that getting to know God's character in Scripture necessitates a focus on the person of Jesus and how he really changed the conversation about how we relate to God. I will also demonstrate how his time on this earth really captured the relational aspect of God's relating to us uh, and that God really is after relationship. My second point uh, is the, that the exploration of God's Word to learn more about who God is uh, and why this is an exercise we should engage in with intention, joy, and expectation. So, and then I'll share some practical ways about how we can do that. I'm very excited. Are you? Yes! Let's get this party! Okay. Okay, so let's begin. I think a bit of a history lesson is in order. Let's begin with Genesis 1, yes. So the original relationship that God had to humans was that of um, closeness, of joy, of um, real, you know, close-knit communication. There were no questions. Um, there was no issue. Um, but then God told these first two humans, Adam and Eve, in Genesis, uh, or in, at the start of Genesis, uh, that they should not eat from this certain tree. And so they're like, okay, sure, fine. Unfortunately, many, many millennia, who knows how long, God, before that, God had cast down a fallen angel, who we now know as Satan, and this being um, is hell-bent on destroying God's people, on destroying God's ways, distorting how we see God, distorting how we see God move in our lives. Basically, anything that's against God, he's going to do. And so as God's people, he will certainly exert a force against you too. And so anyways, this being came along and uh, talked to Eve, the female of the, of the pair in the garden, and uh, said to her that uh, perhaps if she wanted to be wise like God, then she should eat the apple that she wasn't supposed to eat. And so, unfortunately, Eve obliged and ate the apple and then gave it to her husband to eat, and Adam was like, sure, nice apple, I'll have some. And, uh, and that was how that relationship was broken. Um, it, it's, uh, unfortunately, it's created many generations since then of broken relationship between humans and God. And it is the foundation of why we can't relate to God how we should. The reason we're even having this conversation is because we suck at relating to God. We try and we try, but we just can't. Or maybe we don't even want to. Or maybe we've never tried. Maybe you're one of those people. Anyways, this is why I'm talking about it this evening. Um, back in the Old Testament, the way to relate to God was through obedience of the 600-plus commandments that he gave to his people. Uh, and when you were obedient to those commandments, which God gave the children of Israel once they had left slavery in the land of Egypt, then uh, God would bless you, and uh, he would consider you um, 
you know, to be favorable. And, you know, people still sinned, and, and God, you know, would forgive them through the sacrifice of burnt offering and, and this very large way of doing sacrifice, and it was a very cumbersome process, but it appeased God. Um, their sins were covered, and so that satisfied God, kind of. But Unfortunately, people could never just stay good, and so they struggled and struggled to maintain a relationship with God. Uh, he called the children of Israel to live a life that was very different from those around them, uh, and they, they just had a really tough time doing that. In Genesis 1, we find the story of Adam and Eve, and then Romans 3.10, we see the effects of the fall, that no one is ever righteous, not a single person. That was, that's our stead. That was how we were. Uh, and then, fortunately, God had, way back when, promised Adam and Eve that he would send a person to deliver them out of their bondage to sin, which is very exciting, because that person happened to be Jesus. And when Jesus came, he changed the conversation about how we related to God. In fact, when um, Jesus came, uh, the living word of God, so it's interesting that the Bible is the written word of God and then Jesus is the living word of God, interesting comparison, but when he entered the conversation, uh, things changed because uh, he came to fulfill the law. All of those things that we could never keep perfectly, that the children of Israel had tried for centuries to keep and never could, he came to fulfill those commandments, which is to say that those commandments no longer had their oppressive rule over the people, uh, and that God made a new covenant with his people at that time and now us. And that new covenant uh, is marked by the relationship with God himself, because Jesus took the cost of the sin that was separating us from God uh, upon himself when he died. He took the cost of the sin that you and I carried on the cross when he died, every single one of our sins. And so Romans 10 tells us that by the confession of our mouth and by believing in our hearts, we are saved. And it is only through this mechanism that we can have communication with God, that we can have a relationship with God. We can try otherwise, but I think most of us in this room know that that isn't, hasn't worked for us in the past and probably won't begin to. Uh, it's that relationship with God, that is, or with Jesus, uh, that we require. Through access to this renewed relationship, we get the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. And uh, God called, or Jesus called him a helper who will help us to navigate our new spiritual life. The Holy Spirit is a key partner as we learn about God, uh, and according to Jesus, will only reveal to us what the Father tells him to reveal to us, which is really good news for us because sometimes the Bible's confusing, and you're like, what does this mean? And the Holy Spirit's like, oh, here, here's a little tidbit, or here's a connection there, or over there. And, uh, but what I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit is required for being able to relate with God. God has called us to wake up. Honestly, he has. God has called his people to holiness, to a life set apart from those around us who do not know him. God has called his people to exert significant influence in the lives of those who don't know him. How many of us are exerting that significant influence? How many of us are standing in that place of knowing God and knowing what he requires, knowing that the only way to have a relationship with him is to accept Jesus as our savior. And how many of us just stand by the sidelines and let other people pass us by who don't know him? 
He has invited us into the process of becoming more like Jesus every day. That's my first point. My, we need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to help us relate to God. My second point and final point, interestingly enough, feels so short. Yes, when there's only two, they're long, okay? No, just kidding. This brings me to my second point, which is that the written word of God shows us about God's character and what that means for our lives. So the way I'm going to present this topic is to demonstrate how people in the Bible knew who God was. They didn't have Bibles, interestingly enough. Like Some of them had like the list of commandments, the commandments that God had given them. They had their history, but they didn't have a whole compact Bible. You know, they didn't have the the red-lettered, you know, thin-page Bible, or if you're, you know, really love Jesus, then you have a large Bible with big margins and commentaries underneath. I, ha I love my Bible, okay? Anyways, I, <laughs> I have one of the large margin ones, okay? Uh, but they, these people who didn't have a Bible, they knew God. They knew God in, inside and out. And we'll see that in some of the stories that I, that, that I describe. And so my challenge to us is if they can know God without a full understanding of the entire Bible, without, without knowing the story of Jesus, without knowing how God would bring redemption to his people, how much more do we bear the responsibility of knowing, reading, understanding, contemplating, meditating on, on his word? How much more do we bear that responsibility to whom God has given much, he will require much. And I don't say that as a like, ah! I say that as a, you know, this is exciting stuff. We have access to everything that God has done in millennia past. God has provided for us a way to have intimate and constant communication with him through Jesus uh, and salvation and the subsequent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I love Psalm 119. It's one of the most comprehensive presentations in the Bible of the law, and it just talks about how much the author loves the Word of God. These 600-plus commandments, uh, taking in, of course, the context of the history, these commandments that no one could ever keep, but he just loved the thing. You should it's the longest psalm in the Bible, 147 verses. You could spend a year in there, maybe more. Uh, anyways, it's such a good psalm, and it just talks about how, you know, the Word of God. Uh, well, you know what? I'm just going to share some verses. Um, psalm 119, verse 7. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn of your righteous judgments. Psalm 119, 49. Remember the word to your servant for upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in affliction, for your word has given me life. I have bolded the letters or the words that speak of God's characteristics. So remember the word. God remembers his word. We can hope upon God's word. God's word is our comfort in affliction. His word has given me life. Those are, like in one verse, four different things, and it's so good. I love these verses. Psalm 119, 89-91. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue to this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Incredible stuff, honestly. This psalm is filled with God's characteristics. And they make a way for how we can relate to God. Um, I'd like to just actually take Psalm, uh, the 119 verse 49, um, just how 
the author, who isn't David, we don't actually know who it is, maybe it is David, um, but just how basically the author uses God's characteristics to present his problems or kind of the, the things uh, that he has issues with. So he knows that God will remember his word, and so he uses that characteristic. He knows that God's word is filled with hope, and so he says that, yes, I will hope in the word of God. He knows that God's word is comforting in affliction, and so in the light of what he's going through, he says, I will find comfort in this because God's word is life-giving. I say that because engaging with God's word in this kind of an intense way, in this very intentional, like this is what you, this is what you are, and so I will believe this. This is what you've said, I will do this. This is what you've presented to me, I will do this. It's a very systematic process, actually. And I have found in my own prayer life, when I pray through the Bible, and I pray through a God's characteristics in light of my issues, then I feel less overwhelmed. And I, um, but it's not just a feeling, I know that I'm literally praying the Bible. And so this is why I love this type of, of psalm, uh, or this type of prayer. Uh, there's a few other examples of people who knew God, though they didn't necessarily have a collection of biblical works. Abraham knew God as a merciful God, detailed in Genesis 17, when he um, boldly and honestly somewhat obnoxiously whittled God down from, I'll destroy the entire city, to if there's 10 people who love me, I will not destroy the city at all. That's honestly an unbelievable, Abraham started at 50, I think, and, you know, in the process of many verses, whittled God down to 10 people. And that kind of uh, bold, uh, you know, forward-moving um, expectation that God will listen to you, it's incredible. He knew God as a merciful God. Moses knew God as a friend. In Exodus 33, we find it that, you know, Moses set up this tent and people would come if they had questions, and uh, the cloud that was over the Israelites by day would go to the, to the tabernacle. The cloud was God, uh, and they would communicate face-to-face -face like friends. That's what the Bible says. It's pretty incredible. And uh, in the middle of this uh, friendship, Moses asks to see God's face, which would kill him. I'm not sure if he knew that, but fortunately, God told him that it would if he showed him his entire glory. Uh, and so he, but what he, incredibly what God did for Moses as his friend was he was like, okay, I'm going to put you here in this little chunk of rock, and I'm going to cover you with my hand. And as I walk by, I'm going to allow you to see partial glory. I'll allow you to see my back, is what he said. And just, just unbelievable to me that God, Moses knew God as a friend and then had the audacity to ask God to show him his face, and then God was like, okay, no, but I'll show you my back, you know? It's just unbelievable. And it shows of such an intimate knowledge of who God is and how to relate to him. Another story I love is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fun names, who disobeyed the king of Babylon when they refused to worship the image of gold. You can find the whole story in Daniel 4, should you be interested, which I hope you are. This incredible, I'll actually read the verses because it's uh, pretty incredible. Um, these three were to be sentenced by burning to death, and this was their response to the king. O king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, who we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, 
and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. I just love the caveat that we know what God is capable of, but if he, sorry, if he chooses not to do that, we're still going to walk this way. We're still going to go this way. We know this, we're going to do this as a direct result of their knowledge of God. Their words to the king showed an intimate heart knowledge, trust of, and submission to God's characteristics. Um, I'd, I'd like to take a moment just to share a story that happened to me recently. Uh, I'm a nurse, as I said, and I was working New Year's Eve, and uh, it was, you know, a fun evening. I love a good New Year's Eve party at work, and so, you know, there was sparkling, um, sparkling juice to be had at midnight, and so I, you know, started my shift and, uh, you know, did my round, and uh, one of my patients was a, a young lady with very, very painful cancer uh, who, that had spread to many different parts of her body. She was a young mom who had moved from a different country with her husband so that they could have more kids and, uh, you know, have a job that would support them. Her husband was with her that night. I did my usual assessment, gave her her pills, and sat down at about 11.30 and began looking through her chart to make sure that nothing had been missed during the day and for looking for ways to optimize her care, because who doesn't want optimized care? Thank you very much. I suddenly heard wailing and screaming from her room, and so I rushed there to see what was going on, and I found her in a deep state of distress. And the way that she described it to me in broken English was that she was having pain. And so I said to her, okay, I'll get you some, asked her a few more questions. I uh, said I would get her some pain medication, which I did. And however, as I was walking back to her room, I felt a clear sense that God was telling me to, to stop, literally stop in the hallway before I got to her room uh, and, and ask me to think about what was going on. And so I did. I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you asking me here? What do you want me to do? And so um, I just took a few moments to think about the situation. Uh, and I, I felt that, of course, I should give her pain meds because she had said she was having pain, um, but that I should sit with her and her husband uh, and just ask them how they were really doing. And so I did that. And 45 minutes later, I missed New Year's, you know, <laughs> missed New Year's. But uh, what, I, what I learned in those 45 minutes as I sat with them what was, was what was really going on in their hearts. Uh, they were so sad about having left their country to come to Canada, and this had become their life. They were aware that this would likely be the last time that she would see a new year. They were also aware that if, or sorry, she said that all she wanted was to live long enough so that her daughter would remember her. And then the husband felt that why would she want that? Why would she want the daughter to remember her as a very sick woman? And just these really, really complicated things that they were bringing up. Uh, she also said that she didn't want to go into the new year because she knew it would be her last one. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, how, like, how do you even meet somebody there? How does a 24-year-old nurse who loves his job and, you know, is there for the New Year's party, like, you know, how do you even, how do you even meet somebody there? Um, I tried my best to come alongside them, and I told them that I didn't know what to say, but that I was really sad for what they were going through and uh, hoped that I could support them in any way that they required. Uh, I also tried to uh, kind of bring, bring out hope out of that situation because they were 
I could tell that they were feeling very hopeless. Uh, and it just also showed me that, you know, perhaps this woman's um, screaming and kind of her uh, description of her pain was more than physical, that it was emotional, mental, uh, spiritual, all of these different domains. Uh, and I had the opportunity to pray in my heart that God would bring hope to their situation, even as her life was drawing to a close. I wanted them to know that he would take care of them. And I mean, I didn't say as much because you can't really, unless they ask you to say that. But I don't share this story because of its remarkable ending or, you know, it was a very difficult end for that family. It really was. I was their nurse after that. And, you know, it wasn't easy. But I share this story because God met me in a very real life kind of a way there. And I felt, well, I knew and from, you know, what the family said after that my time with them, just listening to them cry and rant and vent and all these things, it gave them permission to feel what they were feeling. And so I felt that God had uh, given me an opportunity to really come alongside them. Uh, he got my attention that night, though, because I was open to him working through me. Uh, it required an intentional choice. And he showed me through his word and what I knew about his character that my role was to listen and care for, not to fix, because that's what he would do. These are all aspects of his character that I did my best to show in that situation. However, if I had not been spending regular time with God or in his word, I might not have had this understanding of God's heart to draw upon when I really needed it. God's word can change your response in real time. It can affect how you uh, perceive situations, how you perceive your life. It can affect how you relate to other people. It can change how you do your work. It can change how you study. His word and his character will reorient you in a situation that feels completely overwhelming. But it's hard to trust someone you don't know. And you can't know someone unless you spend time with them. So in conclusion, I just want to take a few minutes to share some ways that you can involve God in your everyday, that you can spend time with God in the boring and the exciting. So my go-to, wake up and get a cup of coffee and read your Bible. That's honestly my morning routine. Uh, that's what I do every single time. And it works for me. If I woke up and read the Bible, I would be half as productive because I don't have coffee. I love coffee. Give me my caffeine. So that's what I do. First things first. Uh, I also spend time before him in silence, and I listen for him to speak to me. And this is kind of like odd for those of you that haven't maybe done this before or are kind of freaked out by that. But what it simply means is that you sit in your chair, close your eyes, or don't close your eyes if you're going to fall asleep, and just listen for him. Listen to him. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He will speak to you. He promises that he will. And honestly, if you find yourself drifting away, just come back. It's okay. Nobody said you should never drift away from your place of contemplation, okay? Just come back. Try it again. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I actually loved Ricky's challenge that he issued last week of uh, finding time to spend with God, make him a coffee, also you, or some beverage, juice perhaps. I love orange juice. I'm partial to orange juice. Also, it has a lot of potassium. Uh, take some orange juice and just go spend some time with God. It doesn't have to be two hours. It could be ten minutes. And that way you get two cups of coffee if God doesn't drink his. <laughs> you know. 
I also would really encourage you to help the Holy Spirit to apply God's words and principles and judgments in your situations. Honestly, this is for me where the rubber meets the road. I can sit at home and read my Bible as much as, as I want, but if I'm not in the hospital caring for people how God would have me to care for people, then what's the point of me reading the Bible? If it stays in here and doesn't go out here, what's the point? Perhaps you can improve your relationship with God, but I dare say that unless there is outward sign of your relationship with God, your relationship with God will be muted and will you won't be able to grow after some time. It's one of my favorite ways of relating to God because he meets me, like he met me in that situation. He has met me in so many situations. A lot of you know my story about, um, I wasn't, I wasn't going to share this tonight, but a lot of you do know my story about, uh, you know, growing up being attracted to men and then becoming a Christian and it didn't go away. I was like, why? And then, you know, here I am today, still, you know, working through the same things. Uh, but what God has shown me, the reason I love this stuff is because this has been my life for 10 years. Every single day when I get up in the morning, I make the choice to uh, look at what God says and to walk that way. This is what God has done. This is what I'm going to do. A very systematic process, but it takes a lot of choice. And it, it's hard sometimes, especially when you're done three night shifts. You're like, I don't want to do that. I don't have the energy right now. You know, God will meet you there. He will. I promise. He will meet you when you're exhausted, when you're at your wit's end, when you're beyond your wit's end. He will meet you. If you're feeling overwhelmed, tired, sad, scared, joyful, accomplished, this week I challenge you to bring God into it. Uh, try to see your life in the light of God's character from the Bible. I have a couple of questions for us tonight. Uh, and I'd like to, you don't have to share with your whole table because I think that could take a while. So maybe pick one or two people beside you and just uh, feel free to share with them. Um, they'll, they'll be up in this, on the screen there. But, and after you finish, there's a snack in the foyer. Uh, uh, come find myself or the, or the ministry team, and we would love to share with you. I'll get the ministry team to jog up their hands if they'd like to, so you can go talk to some peeps if you're feeling like you'd like to talk. Um, I'll pray for us before we begin discussing questions, uh, if you'd bow your heads with me. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for relationship with us. Thank you that you came to restore the relationship that we could never truly figure out or accomplish on our own. And thank you that we stand here tonight in your presence and we are joyful and excited to meet with you. Thank you that your word is uh, in its entirety, in its fullness, and we can learn from it. And we can take those learnings with us and we can apply them into our lives. Thank you, Lord, that your characteristics of mercy, of joy, of life, of, uh, you know, reviving us, of uh, truth, of never changing, those are all things that can affect our daily lives if we allow them to. Thank you, Father, that you have given uh, me the chance to speak on your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought these lovely people here today who could have spent their day anywhere else. Thank you, Lord, that they are intentionally seeking you uh, just by being here, just by listening to your word. And so I pray, Father, that you would take that relationship deeper. I pray that you would speak to the hearts that need to be spoken to, and I pray that you would touch those that need to be touched. Uh, thank you that you see each of our situations, each of our hearts, each of our histories, our futures, our presents. Thank you that you see it all, and you know it all, and you love when we come to find you. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust your word, we can trust you, 
Uh, and I pray for the rest of this evening that you would be glorified. I pray for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.